Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. The show's namesake, BJ Shea, is on assignment. But running the boards is Joey D's. Hey. On today's show, I will talk with some awesome board gamers creating board games on Kickstarter. The Calliope Gaming Night Extravaganza is upon us. It's upon us. <laughs> I got some interesting uh, information about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Some leaks have gone out there, and, uh, well, we need to report on it. And, of oh. course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Dot com. Get our blogs, podcasts, and more. More. Or just search for BJJ's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Radio.com, and iTunes to find us. Yes, lots of ways to get a hold of us and leave us some reviews. It'd be nice uh, if you did so. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but uh, it's always kind of fun to uh, get some feedback from the listeners. Obviously, you can do so by uh, hitting up our social media because Vicky posts a ton of stuff all the time. Yes. Uh, a good way to get a hold of us and uh, really uh, interact. And uh, I mean, that's what we're all looking for, right? That's right. It's a little bit of interaction right now. It's 2020, year of the computer. (laughs) Yeah, year of the computer, year of the Zoom meeting, year of of all that. Of Mm. the phones at home. (laughs) Oh, yeah, always the phones. I found myself getting stuck on stuff like TikTok. Oh, gosh. All of the time. ET TikTok? Uh, By the way, I will mention right now, like, TikTok is a little weird a lot of the times, but I found some really, really fun stuff, including there is essentially D&D TikTok. So a lot of DMs or uh, people out there are just putting out D&D content, and it's weird because it's super fast-paced, and you got to kind of watch it like two or three times to kind of figure out, I'm old. I'm just like trying to like, what are you talking about? But there was like a person who figured out how to get like their, they, they multi-class, so they had a fighter druid who had a 32 unarmed AC. No, it was a barbarian druid basically a barbarian. Barbarian? And, yeah, a 32 AC unarmed. I was like... Oh my god, that's amazing. That's the Mandalorian in a nutshell. Right? It's just like all these people going nuts with like min-max, but I'm like, that's actually really cool. So I've been kind of getting deep in on that. When you said that, I imagine people recording TikToks as their character. Oh, there's some people doing that as well, too. Yeah, don't even worry about that. There's a lot of people who are cosplaying as their characters and doing some of the stuff like that, which is also super funny. Uh, Speaking of tabletop, but not so much the RPGs, but on the board game experience, let's talk with our next guests. With me today is a man named Ray, who is the president of Calliope Games. And if you don't know Calliope Games, I'm pretty sure you know some of the games, including Suro and Roll For It, just a ton of games, like so many more that I could just go off and it would take a, this entire interview to talk about. You can find all of those at calliopegames.com. How are you doing, Ray? I am doing well, my friend. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I really it, appreciate it. And I'm really excited for this because you guys are all about the family-friendly games. And now you've got a trio of games right now coming out on Kickstarter. It's live now until Friday, December 11th. It's the Calliope yeah. Game Night Extravaganza. Extravaganza! Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it seems like you really wanted to put forth something that has a little bit of something for everybody when it comes down to it. Yeah. So, I mean, across the Calliope line, we always want to try to make the game so that they're engaging for anybody that sits down at the table. 
whether they're a gamer or not, right? So mm-hmm. in order to do that, each one of the games have to have a little bit of luck in them, but they're kind of skilled. So that way, everybody who wants to play or has an interest in playing can actually participate. So younger players can actually compete against older players without older <laughs> players actually throwing uh, throwing the game. Or people who are much older than myself, and I'm already as old as dirt, that want to play, can play without having to remember a bunch of rules. So they're really, really great gateway games, if you will, or family-style games. So for gamers, it's just a good way to get people into your hobby, right? Exactly. That's the hobby as a whole. And so the Game Night Extravaganza itself um, is made up of three games that really will play in 30, 30 minutes, around 30 minutes. The longest one will probably would probably be allegory if you were playing with up to six players, all six players. Uh, that may take take an hour to play, but really they all play in twenty to, to thirty minutes with uh, two to six players, two to four players. You know, no problem within thirty minutes, right? And the idea is that if you wanted to play a cooperative game, we have a cooperative game. If you actually wanted to play a bidding game, again using a lot of the mechanics that you might see. And, and uh, a standard poker game, right? You can get that out of allegory, although it's wrapped around a completely different <laughs> type of theme. And you're rewarded differently than you are in when you're playing a typical poker style game, right? Uh, which makes allegory really, really unique. And then Enchanted Plumes is a, a set collection game and where you're uh, strategizing around the odds in the deck and, and what you're actually trying to put put down on the table. So it's more of a, a brain teaser than anything once you get into it, right? So there's a little bit of everything there for everybody. And the Kickstarter, right? Now you can get all three games for 40 bucks. So that's just awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. And it gives one of those things like it gives you the chance if you've got uh, if you've got kids or parents or, you know, whomever you've got in this and like, well, I don't really like playing this sort of game. You can kind of bring them into that, too. If they're not big poker players, uh, you can just be like, well, allegory is more of a bidding game that's going around. You're creating a story. And I think that you can kind of pull people in who might not be interested or they think they might not be interested in certain games like this and i'm not saying like you're tricking them or anything but it's the same fact that you could like you're like no maybe you'll like this because this is actually a theme you might be pretty cool with yeah and and not only the theme, but so in allegory when you play typical bidding games right you you put up your bid and if you win right you take everybody else's money yeah right so you get your money and everybody else's back in allegory that's not what happens so in allegory when you put up your what we call lore, which is, is your bidding tokens, right? Mm-hmm. When you fold, you actually put the lore, you take back the lore that you bid with. Oh. The only person who retains lore or or the bidding tokens is the person who win the won the bid. And and what they're going to do with that then is they actually get to pick the card from the center of the table um, that they actually want. So they're bidding on these these cards that are available to everybody. But when you win, you actually get to pick the card from the center, and and you're going to use that to build your tableau. So instead of winning a pot, you actually win a specific card. Now, here's where the the real twist comes in. You're going to take the money or the lore that you actually bid with, and then you're going to apply that to the other cards that are available in the river, if you will, right? The stuff that you – the cards that you were bidding on in the first place. And so 
the thing is, is in the next round now, the person to my left is going to start the, is going to start the bid. Mm-hmm. If you fold, if if you fold out of the out of the bidding process, then you get to pick one of the cards from the river, if you will. Okay, the card that you pick though has to be the card that has the most coins on it. Oh, so as me as being the winner of the of the of the the bid before, right? I loaded up the the coins, the lore going across the 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 actual available cards depending on what I wanted different people to take. <laughs> so you can actually like, especially if you know the people and you know, maybe if a person is, like tends to want to fold early, you could be like, well, there's a little bit of a take that mechanic on that at that point yeah, in time. There is no question about that. <laughs> right? And, and so the other thing about the cards is they're, they're actually valued from a negative two to a positive four, but there's no zero or one. Huh. Okay. Okay. So the thing is, is an allegory, um, you're building a tableau with three different suits in it or, or three tails, okay? So it's it's a, a three-suited deck, right? So we, we have nature, we have spirit, and then we have energy, okay? So those are our three suits, if you will, okay, or the three tails. And so you're going to build a tableau that exists that includes each of the three tails. If, if you don't include one of each of the three, then you can't score at all. So you oh. have to have a minimum of one of each of the three suits. Wow, okay. okay. Now, now, once you have that built into your tableau, you're going to be bidding on cards to fill your tableau out, and you're going to try to grab the ones from the inspiration pool of the river that have the, the highest value to you, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, because those cards can actually have negative values to them, you're only going to score out of your tableau the lowest valued tail or oh. the lowest valued suit. Okay. So if across the three, I actually have uh, a positive two, a positive six, and, and a positive one, I'm only going to be able to score the one out of the three tails that I actually created wow so yeah so it would lend you a lot of bonus that and at that point if you're a player to be putting something on one of the negative cards especially Absolutely. especially if you know someone's going to be picking them and they're or they're going to have to pick them because then at that point you're going to be kind of yeah like uh landmining them in terms of like yeah you're going to have the lowest one which is also now a negative so congratulations on your negative score story exactly and trying <laughs> to set that all up is so much fun Oh, that is awesome. That's a great way to go into that. Wow. Yeah. It, and so it, it does have a lot of a lot of the mechanics that you would see in a poker style game, right? Or a bidding style game. And even to some extent, different auction style games, right? But the way that you use all those mechanics and the strategies that go behind them, it's way different than anything else that's out there. That- so much fun. That is cool. And it's like, even like the best part about that and with the other games we're going to talk about as well is that, yeah, you said like maybe this one might be the longest game if you got a full group of people playing, but you're going to be done around an hour at most. So at that point, you you can get right back into it. And uh, this seems like one of those ones that is uh, 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 fun uh, fun to play. Uh, The replayability factor would just be huge on this. Huge. Absolutely. (laughs) And the thing about replayability factor, all, all three of these games do that right so and and they're they're set up and they play so quickly that as soon as you finish right it's like you want to play another game you want to do it again 
Especially with mat, uh, with mass transit. I'll just tell you. So, so mass transit is um is a game where it's a cooperative game. So everybody's playing against the board, and and what you're trying to do is deliver six meeples <laughs> to their homes in the suburbs uh, and their commuters, right? Oh, and, yeah. and the city. And you actually have three different uh, modes of transportation that you can take. So you have a ferry, you know, just like Seattle, right? Going home <laughs> to Cambridge Island, jump yep. on a ferry, buddy, yep. right? And so uh, we have light rail, right? We, so you have your um, uh, your commuter trains and then uh, your, your buses, right? So those are the three forms of transportation that you have to go from the city to your home in the suburbs. However... Um, you can also walk, right? So there's oh. walk cards in the deck. Um, in order to get, you start in the city, in order to get from the city to the station, though, you have to walk. So you're going to have to play a walk card to get there. So walk cards are really worth a lot in the game and spending them too early in the game or not at the appropriate times can actually cost you the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that even makes sense. I mean, just like thinking about it on um, just like a visual aspect or just like a theme aspect. It's like, yeah, you could walk home, but you know that's not going to be the best best way to go about it usually. Yeah. I mean, walking from, from uh, downtown S- Seattle, right, to uh, Bainbridge Island is a... Is a- <laughs> <laughs> that 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 doesn't happen, man. It just doesn't happen, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, but any, at, at any rate, it's a cooperative game, right? So, uh, what everybody's actually doing is is building building these six transit routes uh, to get these commuters home. We all work for uh, the government and and actually building this transit system. And like any government job, you're going to have to. F- fight red tape okay <laughs> so um we're all fighting the red tape to try to get this task done and so we can we have the ability to to do different things and everything that we're going to do is going to affect the team if you will and so because it's a cooperative game we're all going to want to be able to help each other out however we can't tell each other what we're doing or what we have in our hand Ah, right. Okay. Okay. So yeah. We have to pay, we have to pay attention to what's going on on the table, and we can communicate with different descriptions of what we might have, but we can't come out and actually tell somebody what we have. Right, so we yeah. may say, "Hey, I'm going into the construction company or in, in, into the construction business," meaning that I have the end cap to one of the the routes, you know, one of the suburb cards. Oh, and nice. that's what we're yeah. trying to get to go. But if I play that suburb card too early, I prevent other people from playing cards that they may have in their hand that they need to get rid of. Right. So it's a real balancing act. Now, the thing is, is that you may win the game about 30% of the time, right? Which means you're going to lose 70% of the time. But you're going to want to play right away again. <laughs> and this is one of the cool yeah. ones, too, because it's a 20-minute game. And like, right. you're, like you were talking about with all these games, it's like it's easy to set up. You're not having to worry about a long setup on this. So you can just scoop them all up, get it all ready, and get it going right over again. And, and, and you're exactly it. And, and the thing about uh, mass transit is you'll almost always lose in the very <laughs> last round. Right? So... You'll be really close to winning, and then the deck's going to beat you. 
And that's, I mean, that's good too, because it gets that uh, competitive spirit. And I mean, yes, you're doing it all together, but it's, it's you versus the game at that point, which it leads everybody wanting to get back into it and try it again. So, and again, so much fun when it happens. I, we had, uh, when we first started test playing the game, we had a young lady that actually volunteers for us at a convention. Her, her name's Tori, right? But so we, we put the game in front of Tori and we were playing, uh, we were playing six player games all, all night long. Tori would not let us stop until she won, which actually was three days later from the oh, first time. Oh, no. 72 straight hours of mass transit. What'd you guys do? But it was, so, you know, it's so much fun. Great, great game. I love that. Yeah. And then finally, we have Enchanted Plumes, which watching the video, first off, um, Chris seemed very excited about this one because first off, the game is beautiful, but I love it's the fact that you're trying as a peacock to create the best plumage to get yourself a peahen. That is, I just think, brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> that was uh, actually the gentleman who uh, designed the game. His name's uh, Brennan Hansen. But, uh, you know, when he came came to us with the game, all the cards, you know, the, the original prototype, you know, we had, had printed out. He had printed it out on his home printer. And so it's got 10 different colors, right? So th it, this game is actually a set collection game where you are building uh, a specific set that you get to choose. And there's 10 colors in the game. So 10 colors of feathers that rank in value from zero to nine. Okay. Ah. So in a six player game, you use all the cards. So you have 100 cards in the deck, 10 cards of each color. And again, they're, they're valued from zero to nine. Now, when you build your peacocks, when you're building your plumes on your turn, you can play one or two cards and they can go, both go into the same peacock or they can go into different peacocks. You're, you can have as many peacocks as you would like. Oh, nice. During the game, <laughs> right. So you're not just building one. You can build multiple. However, the peahen is shuffled into uh, the bottom eight cards in the deck. When the peahen shows up, the game is over. Ah. Right. So on your turn, though, you're trying to build these beautiful plumes in all these different colors. However, the, the top row is what you're going to start to build out first. And that top row, you want to have that to be the lowest value as possible. So you want to use your zeros, ones, and twos in that top row if you can. It's not always possible to do that, mm -hmm. okay? But if you can, that would be ideal because when you go to score, that top row is negative. Oh, so whatever the value is of that top row is going to be negative. Now, when you, as soon as you start to build the second row underneath it, so let's say that there were four cards in that top row, the four cards there, whatever the value is of those top four cards will be negative. Everything underneath that is going to be a positive value. Oh, okay. I see how it's going. Right? Now, when you, when you go to build it, though, the colors that appear in that top row must appear in the second row the row that you're building underneath it. And you can't add to the top row once you start the row beneath it. The row. So it closes it off. So your best option is to have four colors out of the 10 in that top row. But you could have a duplicate. Let's say that you had the one and the two of the blue, right? So you could have both of those in the top row, but that means you're only going to have a choice of three colors to put in the, in the row below it. 
and I mean, just thinking of it on that end, I mean, just think of a, an animal and like genetics and stuff like that. These are your colors because that's what you have been deemed with in the genetic lottery. And so right. you, you got to keep moving that down. So it's just like, and like I, looking at the cards and stuff on the videos and everyone can check it out at Kickstarter. Just look for the Calliope Game Night Extravaganza. Um, you can see how beautiful the parts are for all of these. And I just love the fact that there's walkthroughs on how to play from Be Bold Games. Bebo did an amazing job on all of those as well. She's awesome. And, Absolutely awesome. And it's just like, I love the fact that you can get all of these for one low price. And you're most of the time, you're not going to get any games for this sort of price. Um, or if you want, you can just get them on the single version, like each one of them. But I mean, at this point, you might as well just get all of them because it's going to be cheaper that way anyway. And yeah. I mean, it's $15, right? And you get three games for 40 bucks. And here's the thing. Here's the, the way it, you, I, I think it's a good way to think about it, right? Is that forty dollars is inexpensive for a, a game to begin with, mm-hmm. but now you get three games <laughs> that entertain up to six players, and if you just played all three games in one evening, you've paid for that as far as an entertainment expenditure for six people. Oh yeah, right? oh yeah. It's like, it's like you get your pay, you get your money out of it the very first time you play it, right? But you're going to play these games over and over and over again. The, the extravaganza of the night of being able to apply all three games to that evening, just a huge amount of fun. Absolutely. And one of the biggest parts about these is your games are eight plus, which means that if you've got kiddos in the house, this is a good way to get them a into games like this. But it also like games like this, they help stuff like critical thinking. And so and like even like with the co-op, it's like having to work together. You Just like these are all like re- very important social skills and just um, intellectual skills that people need to deal with the world today. So like yeah. these are fun games but at the base they're also educational for the younger ones and maybe for the older ones too because i know some people who don't know how to work together either uh as an adult so (laughs) so here's the thing about the games right so they're they're actually all designed for adults but we want to make them so that you can actually enjoy the company sitting at the table instead of being so drilled in on the game that you can't have a conversation or drink a beer right yeah i'm a beer drinker and uh (laughs) You know, I want to be able to socialize and talk to the people that I'm playing with instead of being so tied up in a game that I that I can't have those conversations, right? And so they really do make a great evening of conversation and, and enjoyment. So, and you can pull, like you said, you can pull the kids in, and they can they can play and compete without the adults throwing the game, right? Which I think yeah. is really really important. Oh yeah. Now you know trying to. to entertain them right <laughs> it's super important on that i love it all right i mean thank you so yep. much calliope games the calliope game night extravaganza it's on kickstarter now like we've mentioned you can find it it's super easy to find you can go to calliopegames.com as well to find out all of that information and right like thank you so much for putting together like seriously three super fun looking games all in one in just one fell swoop right here and i'm going to say if you haven't heard of any of the other games done by Calliope Games, go to their website, check out all of the new things that they've got. They've got some good old staples as well. And thank you so much for being a part of the show, man. 
It's a pleasure, Justin. I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you guys so much. Again, there's uh, about, I would probably say, about two weeks left to go on this. Uh, check out Calliope Gaming Night Extravaganza. Super easy to find. Like Seriously, we just look for that or just look up uh, Calliope Games. They have the links out there, and we'll post the links on our Facebook page as well. Now, getting into some television news, uh, Disney Plus will be coming out with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and there's a couple of um, information leaks or maybe some toys releases that may be doing some spoilers so if you don't want to know what's going on well I mean some of this is just kind of speculation and we've always known that Marvel and in the MCU will sometimes do some things to um, distract us or kind of guide us on a different uh, route uh, they most notably do that with their trailers where you'll they'll basically take out or literally CGI out things that are very pertinent to the story just so they can have that shot now, with this, and this came from uh, comic book resources, CBR.com, they say a new leak from the Falcon and Winter Soldier proves that the events of Civil War changed the MCU forever. So, again, these are leaks. Take them all with a grain of salt. Anything can change. Um, with everything going on in Avengers Endgame, it's easy to forget that the Earth's Mightiest Heroes are still fugitives from justice in the eyes of the U.S. government following the events of Captain America's Civil War, which we did see at that because, I mean, even Rhodey was just kind of like, nah, guys, we're going to have to actually deal with all of this. Um, Kevin Feige and co. Didn't let, uh, didn't let it slip their mind as a leaked promotional material for Falcon and the Winter Soldier confirmed that those who are fugitives after Civil War, including Sharon Carter, will still be on the wrong side of the law when the Disney series picks up. Hmm. Kind of strange on that. Um, among the Falcon and Winter Soldier merchandise pictures is a sticker of Sharon that has wanted printed across her face. While the Falcon and the Winter Soldier promises to explore where what she got up to after Civil War, it seems whatever she did wasn't enough to get her back on good terms with the authorities. That's interesting because after, we're five years in the future after Endgame? Uh, After the Winter Soldier, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, five to six years, somewhere about that, because the snap. Interesting. Yeah. Um, under the orders of her old S.H.I.E.L.D. boss, Nick Fury, she pretended to be Steve Rogers' next-door neighbor in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. She would later join the forces with Steve to battle the Hydra agents that had infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D., though only after Steve learned she'd been spying on him. The pair were able to repair their relationship when Sharon finally revealed her identity as Pe at Peggy's funeral in Civil War. For that reason, Steve was willing to trust her when she provided him with information on Bucky Barnes's whereabouts after the Winter Soldier was accused of bombing the Vienna International Center. Because she helped Steve, Sharon was forced to go on the run with uh, by herself following the events of Civil War. She wasn't a fugitive for too long, though, as she ended up being dusted by Thanos' snap. Okay, mm -hmm. so this makes sense. So a lot mm -hmm. of this will come back as they weren't actually mm -hmm. around. Yes. Uh, like billions of other people, Sharon was brought back five years later when Hulk used the Infinity Stones to undo Thanos' action in Avengers Endgame. However, it seems restoring half of all life in the universe wasn't enough for the U.S. government to pardon those who assisted <laughs> Steve in trying to take down uh, Baron Zemo. Someone's holding the grudge. Yeah, right? Uh, if she's still on the run in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it's, uh, that suggests Bucky and Sam technically should be too. Um, it, may, it may very well prove to 
be the source of conflict on the show, particularly since Steve selected Sam to carry the mantle of Captain America in the conclusion of Endgame. Which you know they're not going to be happy about. Yes. Since the government appears to have uh, its own pick for their job in the form of John Walker slash U.S. agent who has been spotted carrying Cap shield and set photos, that means Sam will remain on bad terms with the authorities, likely due to his own law breaking in Civil War. We saw this with the Iron Man suits. Absolutely. Um, Story-wise, the reveal that Sharon is still considered to be on the wrong side of the law helps to explain why Bucky and Sam have to operate on their own Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, Of the other Earth-based Avengers who are still active after Endgame and took a stance on the uh, Sokovia Accords, all of them were either in support of the legislation or cut a deal with the government to avoid being imprisoned in the raft. Uh, the only exception is Wanda Maximoff, who will be too busy dealing with her own very different problems in WandaVision to lend Sharon and the rest of the crew a helping hand. Oh, I wonder if she's going to be in a different dimension. Uh, you think? Uh, maybe mm. a multiverse of things? Maybe. Yes, exactly. And uh, some more stuff along those lines. I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming out here, and it looks really based off of... We talked about merchandise, but also uh, some of the other toys. Um, As the release of it gets closer to uh, happening, more details are emerging about the plot. A piece of official merchandise has raised the question about who Captain America's successor will be, hinting about a potential conflict, which we just previously mentioned. A Twitter post recently shared some merchandise from the show and asked the question, Who will wield the shield? It's likely that this question will be the central conflict of the plot, as obviously we need to figure out who's going to bear it. Like I said, we do have U.S. agent. We have Sam as the quote-unquote rightful heir of the shield due to, I mean, Steve giving it to him. But also the fact that it's, I mean, with it seems interesting in the terms because like they say that it might lead to a, a conflict, but when we saw the end of Endgame, Bucky was like pretty fine with Sam getting the shield. It seemed like it, yeah. And this isn't to say that Chris Evans' character couldn't come back for a cameo, you know, at some point in the movie as well, if they need him to be like, he's the rightful heir of the shield. Yeah. And it's just kind of like the thing is that uh, this latest tagline kind of seems to suggest that maybe it's not Cap's decision. Ooh. And, I mean, if America, you know, if the U.S. government says that they, quote, unquote, own the shield, since, I mean, it was created by Stark Enterprises yep, for yep. America, um, you can kind of get into that that weird sort of argument when it comes down to it. And when it boils down to Captain America wasn't about America the government. He was about America, the people. And so there will always be that governmental conflict. And that's the whole reason why Civil War even happened. Yeah. So him mm. and Tony fought, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because one, one, I mean, because Tony is dealing with the fact that, I mean, through the entire uh, uh, saga, the Infinity Saga, him, like, he, he kind of created like a lot of the problems and a lot mm-hmm. of the bad guys. If you look at all the Iron Men's, all the Iron Men's, all the Iron Men movies, and Iron Man. yeah, right, and uh, even down to you know creating Ultron. Like he was the one that wanted to create it to protect everybody, but also he was the one that made the Sokovia Accords happen because, well, what did Ultron do? He kind of lifted Sokovia up and dropped it, and yeah. Yeah. There's no more Sokovia. Yeah, and also like no more uh, Quicksilver, unless you listen back on a, a, a geek sheet that Vicky talked about. Maybe a theory of uh, maybe we'll get the uh, first class Quicksilver, maybe. which I would like a lot more actually. Let's to be just pretty bring honest. It all in. Exactly. So we'll have to see how this happens, and I, I'm interested to see the U.S. agent because I remember that character, um, but I don't rem- like remember a lot of the character. 
if that makes any sense to you on that. Mm-hmm. You get who he is, but not what he's all about. Exactly. So it'll be very interesting to kind of see where all of that goes. Um, but for that news, and uh, well, we'll have to see. And uh, I'm really happy to be able to watch that. Uh, that with also uh, WandaVision. I really want to see what Phase 4 means and uh, what will it lead to. I know. It feels like it's been forever since we've gotten a Marvel movie, which it is has. weird, you know? Well, I know. We were supposed to have Black Widow this year, maybe next year. And uh, I mean, yeah. And I mean, was just like what we talked about uh, on Monday's podcast with uh, Wonder Woman going to HBO Max as well as the theaters. I see a lot of this. If this is a successful business model, we'll be seeing a lot more of that. To be perfectly honest, I just want to see the damn movie. <laughs> I, at the end of the day, I think I agree with you on that. Yeah. Hey, now it is time to get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got? So there are a lot of fictional characters out there that have really badass names, and it's one of those like, God, I wish that was my name. Like, <laughs> that's a cool name. Like, I really love the name Logan, but because of the movies and stuff, everyone's naming their kids Logan. So I oh. couldn't name. If I had a baby, I couldn't name mine Logan. You're not gonna. I don't know yet. Depends on what I end up marrying. Look, oh, <laughs> what you end up marrying? Because let's be honest, it's not going to be a winner. Jeez. <laughs> 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 like, just doing some you know, self-deprecating humor, but apparently it was too much. But mm-hmm. a lot of these ca- fictional characters have really awesome code names. You know, you got your like Scarlet Witch or Black Widow. Yep. But a lot of them have really, really dumb real names. Oh. And it's not just in the world of comics, but there are one, some. First one being uh, the code name being the Wizard of Oz. Uh huh. His real name is Oscar Zoroaster Fadrig Isaac Norman Henkel Emmanuel Ambrose Diggs. Huh. Okay, so the first two were the O and the Z, so that's yeah. where the Oz comes from. And there's just like some weird. La, 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 la. Wow. Yep. That's a little excessive. Did they say that in the movie? Or, or am uh, I just. I, not in the original. Maybe in like the Franco one, I don't remember. Maybe. I, don't I don't know. Remember. This is a book because I don't. Yes, remember. they were books. Okay, so possibly out yeah, of those. It appears in His Majesty and the Scarecrow of Oz. Okay, yeah, and that's one of those. And you know what? To be perfectly honest, I'm pretty sure some of the readers on uh, uh, for our podcast are probably just uh, face palming mm. right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that really awful show that only got like one episode before it was canceled. If that, um, you remember Black Bolt? It was the uh, what was yeah. it the in. Oh, not the uh, Inhumans. Inhumans. Yes, Inhumans. Uh, Black Bolt being the main guy with the girl with the really messed up, like the hair Medusa. Medusa, yeah. So Black <laughs> Bolt, apparently it's his code name. Yep. Shocking. But his real name is Blackagar Boltagon. You shut up. Right? That Come on. That's stupid. Rev's face is <laughs> Your not face, a happy too. Like, one, we're just yeah. looking at each other like, like I mean, yeah, I know this is an audio format, but guys, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. can't just add things on to the end of a real word and call it a name. I mean, I guess we can. Say that again, Vicky, okay. please, please. The whole name? Yeah. Blackagar Boltagon. Yeah, I don't like it that. It sounds like a Pokemon name. It does. <laughs> I am Magmar. <laughs> All right, do you guys remember that uh, Dana Carvey movie, The Master of Disguise? Yes. And that was what they called him, The Master of Disguise. And uh, turtle, I th- turtle. Yeah, the old, that's the only thing I remember from yeah. that movie, and I don't think anybody else remembers it. Yeah, that's that about movie. it. Um, his real name was Pistachio Disguise. <laughs> okay, come on. Well, I mean, with a movie like that, I'm not too surprised. Can we at least name him Mustachio? <laughs> Pistachio with that mustachio. Oh, I'm funny. okay with that. <laughs> um, so, Mr. Clean. You know, Mr. The, Clean. Mr. Clean. Yes. So, Clean is really his last name. Mm-hmm. His first name is... Aloysius. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sparkly. Sparkly Clean. It says uh, Verda Ab- 
Vertibly, a vert, oh, vertibly, cl- vertibly clean. Veritably. Veritably clean. Veritably clean. So his first name is Veritably. Do you know what Veritably means? No. Well, it means to be uh, genuine. Ah, genuinely clean. Yes, being truly so. So very genuinely clean. I'll be disappointed if we ever catch him swearing. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so we know the, the Marvel hero Nova, right? I Yes, we haven't seen him in the MCU. People no. are really hoping when they had the Nova Corps. Yeah, so we did see, if you've ever seen, I think, the Ultimate Spider-Man animated series. Uh, I forget what channel it was on. I was watching it for a while. Uh, they had, a, like, the, was it Tigress or something like that? They had a bunch of really cool characters that you don't really get to see often, you know, on screen, if you will. Yeah. But they did have Nova. Hmm. His real name is Richard, a.k.a. Dick Ryder. <sighs> At least it's not Nova Novington, like, I yes. guess. But, I mean, uh, guys, guys. Just say it once or twice in your head, and you yeah. you know you, you can't do that. Yeah. Did well. You, hmm. Did you know Mr. Peanut? That's not his real name. Um, It's Mr. Legume? No. <laughs> I don't know. It's Pistachio. <laughs> <laughs> Bartholomew Richards Fitzgerald Smythe Smith. Now, need four names. Now, now is that now for the old Mr. Peanut, or yes. is this new for the new baby slash now twenty one year old nut? It's the old one. Okay. Well, that's the picture they're giving me. All right, then I accept that. Uh, how about the Monopoly Man? Uh, oh, 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 oh! No, no, no! I know this one. I know this one. Uh, it's uh, Uncle Pennybags. Close. Damn it, I... Uncle Moneybags. Well, no, Pennybags is right, but his oh. full name is Richard. Oh, damn it, Rich has... Uncle Milburn Pennybags. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Milburn? I do like Rich Uncle. I like, yes. yeah, well, I mean, who doesn't love a Rich Uncle? But yeah, I, do, I knew the last part, but. Mm, 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 how about one of Milburn. your favorite, favorite characters? Uh, not not Thanos. Oh, Cable? Cable. Okay, it's like a million years long. Um, like his short name, it's not Nathaniel too bad. Nathaniel Gray Summers. Nope. I think, oh, no, because that was X-Men, which was an offshoot of, never mind. Yeah. He's so, Nathaniel such a, Summers is like the short version, but yeah. his full name is Nathaniel Dayspring Askasani Son Summers. Askasani Son. Yeah, there's a whole reason for all of those, but it's convoluted, just as convoluted as his entire history, by the way. He invested in Dasani at some point in one of the timelines. (laughs) Another one of the the dumb ones. It's kind of like the Harley Quinn, because her real name was Harley and Quinzel. Yeah. Jubilee, her real name is Jubilation Lee. Which, Jubilation... It's a cute name. Yeah, I could actually see somebody naming their child that. So I'm not. That's not as it's, bad as some of the other ones on this list. That's like with the Harley, like Harleen Quinzel. That's it, that doesn't bother me because it's just a play on words. Yeah, it's not as bad as some of the things like the Black Bolt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, do you guys know what Jughead's real name is? Oh gosh, Jughedius <laughs> Jugenstein. I don't know. No, and I'm not sure if this is the same as uh, in the the TV series Riverdale. This they gave me the picture of. Uh, this is what it says: Archie's weird mysteries and Sesame Street. Oh, okay. It's Forsyth P. Jones III. Okay, I do remember the Forsyth, but yeah. that sounds I like a really that. like badass sci-fi name for like a gun. Actually, yeah, it's a Forsyth. It'd have, yeah, it'd have to have like a big old like uh, uh, like a little like a scythe in the front of it. So like it's almost like a gun blade. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be cool. All right. What's Scooby Doo's real name? Scooby Doo's? It's very close to what it of Scooby Scoobalicious Doobalicious. No, but that would be fantastic. <laughs> I don't know. Scoobalicious. <laughs> I actually I thought this was a nickname. I thought Scooby was his real name and that his real name was the nickname. Okay. It's Scoobert. Scoobert? Because Shaggy always calls him Scoobert, but I thought that was the nickname. Huh. It's Scoobert Doo. You're right. Scoobert Doo. 
Or did you know ALF has a real name? Uh, alien life form? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Alien life form was that, but I thought he had a different, yeah, like, Yeah, he has yeah. a real name. It's not Alfred, is it? No. You no, know, he comes from Melmac, so it's not that. I wanted to call him Melvin, but it's... No. What is it? Gordon Shumway. That's right. Shumway. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. Having just the most boring, <laughs> like, name. Like, I'm sorry. Sorry any Gordons out there. Gordon's kind of a boring name, guys. Commissioner Gordon. Well, okay, that's cool. Uh, okay, this one's funny because you've kind of already said the name today. Oh, no. What is Snuffleupagus's real name? Mm. Uh, Snuffleupagus, I will say, uh, is his last name. Okay. Uh, Hubert. It's all the weird, dumb names you said today. One of them was was right. Uh, I've said so many. I, I don't know. know. Aloysius. Al- wow. I think, that's Aloysius. How you, I think that's how you say it. I. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Aloysius Snuffleupagus. Oh, my God. That's easy to flow off the tongue there. Goodness gracious. Okay. Let's run through the rest of them. Uh, Captain Crunch. Captain Horatio Magellan Crunch. Huh. Probably for uh, explorers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I don't know why Horatio, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe it was an explorer. I don't know. Cookie Monster has a real name. Uh, what? His name is Sid. Sid, mm-hmm. the Cookie Monster. It's just Sid. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I don't like that. You don't like it? No. His name's Sid. No, I don't. Because I Cookie like... Monster's addicted to cookies. He needs like an addictive name. You know, like uh, Speed. Whoa, Speed Monster. That Damn, like, dude. That sounds like you downloaded the porn version of Sesame Street, dude. That's the wrong Sesame Street. Wrong thumbnail. Okay, <laughs> I thought I was buying was Chips the... Ahoy. That is the wrong torrent. Um, Shaggy from Scooby Doo. He, they have uh, oh, said this oh. before on the show. Oh man! Okay, I I, I remember I, I remembered this, but I don't. It's not Reginald, is it? No, but it is an old timey. I know person. it's an old. Okay, what is it? Norville Roberts. Norville. No. That's kind of a name that. No, it just sounds like a place you would go to. I don't think mm-hmm. that like if you named your child that, that would be too great. No. Yeah, I'm not a, not a nickna- big fan of that. What would you nickname it? Like nickname him Nor. Nor? Yeah, Nori. You're so Borville, Norville. <laughs> oh, I just think of all the things that uh, the way you can make fun of the poor name. Norville, your mom's a Horville. Wow. Well, that escalated. Take me down. <laughs> you literally, <laughs> you literally have to think of these things when you name a child. Like, how could it get made fun of? I know. Especially in a Mexican household. Never tell my Mexican mother the name you want for your child. Will she just mock it? She will mock it. Wow. That is a Mexican thing, apparently. (laughs) Just roasting the names. Right. Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.